Welcome to a special Halloween episode of the Confectionery News Podcast. I'm Christine Sherrod, the site's U.S. correspondent. Today, I talk with Peter Goldman of Ferrara Candy Company about the biggest candy holiday of the year. Peter leads marketing for Ferrara's seasonal division and Brock's, the brand perhaps best known for its candy corn. I'm uh, Peter Goldman. I'm the vice president of marketing for our seasonal and Brock's confections. We discuss how the confectioner approaches this nearly $3 billion holiday and what innovations it has cooked up in recent years. Hint, Ferrara is really excited about the opportunities afforded them through Nestle's chocolate portfolio and now Keebler cookies. Plus, why shapes and flavors matter for seasonal candy. Take a listen. Obviously, we are coming up on Halloween. It is one of the biggest holidays for candy. How do you guys approach it and how does it stack up against the other big candy holidays, those being, you know, Easter, Christmas, slash the wintertime holidays and Valentine's Day, of course. In terms of sales, Halloween is our largest season. It accounts for about 45 plus percent of our total sales across our seasonal business. Uh, Our Christmas season is actually second. Easter is our third largest season, and it's also been our fastest growing season simply because of uh, our acquisition and merger with Nestle has actually uh, increased the size of our business at that season more than the others. And Valentine's Day, of course, consistent with probably everybody, it's the shortest season, uh, is by far our smallest season. As far as uh, approaching uh, the season, you know, what I would say is, yes, the seasons are different, right? Halloween is different from Easter, is different from Christmas. But I would say our approach on how we try to grow and win at each of the seasons is very consistent. Uh, and in that, what I mean is we're trying to build out growth plans to, for ourselves, for the category, against the season that is really based on the key usage occasions at each season. And so, for example, obviously at Halloween, we're looking at two major occasions, which we would call, you know, kind of dish candy or decorating and sharing, as well as trick-or-treating, which is by far the largest uh, usage occasion at Halloween. And so, while that's true uh, at Halloween, there's clearly no trick-or-treating at Easter, but there is pass-out very similar to, say, basket building. You know, you put candy in Easter baskets or you pass out candy in Easter egg hunts by hiding them in eggs. So the idea that we're building our portfolio and our strategies around the key usage occasions and trying to marry up the best brands that we have for the best ideas and and items for those occasions doesn't change across seasons, but the usage occasions, you know, may change that a little bit for us. At Halloween, can you say a little bit more specifically, I guess, in terms of how much more of the business is those smaller pack sizes 
Yeah, absolutely. This is a a great example of how our merger with Nestle Candy or our acquisition of Nestle Candy really changed a little bit of the dynamic of what Ferrara answered. So before that merger, probably 70% of our our non-chocolate business was just candy corn, you know, just dish candy. But Nestle's portfolio came with a lot of trick-or-treating, the small pass-out packs, as as you will. And so now, literally, um, while our business has grown significantly by combining the two, it's also much closer to 50-50 in terms of percent of trick-or-treating versus candy corn. And in fact, trick-or-treating is actually probably a little bit larger for us as a total company now than, say, just two years ago when we weren't together. So our focus now is is clearly on trying to to continue to win and grow with our great brands in trick-or-treating, where historically we've been under-indexed against some of our key competitors. And now, of course, with some extra great brands ranging from, you know, Sweet Tart and and Nerds as as great examples to go along with Trolley uh, and Brock's, et cetera, you know, we have the ability to, to provide a lot more focus on trick-or-treating, while at the same time, we're going to continue to to try and drive and grow the leadership, the strong leadership position we have in Candy Corn. So since you mentioned that, I obviously couldn't have a conversation with Ferrara about Halloween without talking about Brock's Candy Corn. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) I agree. So in terms of, you know, having that leadership position, Earlier this year, we talked about Brock's leadership in the jelly bean category as well. So in terms of kind of, you know, as you say, reaching that 50-50, near 50-50 split, can you get a little bit deeper into what that means for the company's seasonal business and at Halloween in particular and what that means for candy corn and if anything's changed? You know, Christine, I think there's some truth to all of what you said in the question. So if I look back two years ago, pre-Nestle pre again, we had significant focus, priority, energy against candy corn because it was so important to our total business. And we were just trying to establish ourselves as a trick-or-treat player, right? Nestle's portfolio along with ours and our continued focus on that, especially with, say, mixed bags, for example, of trick-or-treat pass-out candy, really gave us almost immediate credibility and scale uh, in an area that we didn't have before. And so, therefore, you know, obviously we have a lot of energy and passion for trying to now, you know, grow and build off that. And we're, we're putting more emphasis now on trying to bring unique mixes of, you know, our great brands together with, with so many more brands than we've had before. That, that's, that's been, a, you know, a great driver of growth and opportunity for us. Um, and also trick-or-treating, which accounts for, you know, close to 85% of the total season candy sales, is obviously an area where we have to, we have to win. You know, if we want to continue to be a leader in non-chocolate, we have to win. Now, that said, we're not taking away uh, any focus necessarily from candy corn. It's just, you know, it's so important to the dish candy piece, which is almost another, I think, 12% of Halloween. And we're the clear leader because of candy corn in it. 
that our approach to candy corn hasn't changed, which is we still think it's really important as the leader in candy corn to be bringing out news and innovation in terms of flavor, in terms of pack type, in terms of, in some cases, shape, to allow us to continue to try and and grow that segment and that category for ourselves and, of course, for the total segment overall. I did want to talk with you specifically about those shapes and flavors, you know, the mixed bags that also have the chocolate in them, for instance, the autumnal mixes. They have the pumpkins in there, and now you can also get bags of just the pumpkins. Traditional candy corn, you know, the the triangle shapes with the yellow, orange, and white tips has always been by far the, the largest segment. And what we find is by bringing flavors and shapes that they are both incremental to that category uh, overall. And I'll give you a data point or two here in a minute. But pumpkins is a, is a great example. Pumpkins have existed for almost as long as candy corn. The, the mellow cream pumpkin was developed uh, well back, I think, by us it, near the, the 50s. I, I can't speak if anyone else had them before that. Um, and it was kind of like the funness, the, the mellow cream texture provided a little bit different. And so that, that core pumpkin has been part of our portfolio for, for 50 years. And what we know is, is that shapes are really incremental to the category. Like we know that consume, we have data that says 27% of consumers are only looking for shapes in this format. Similarly, when we think about new flavors, as an example, we know that candy corn flavors actually help increase consumer spend overall. Like, in fact, consumers that are buying only candy corn flavors are typically spending 26% more dollars on candy corn than people who just buy the original. So, you know, this is the the goal, of course, is to, to bring lots of, you know, excitement, but we're trying to bring, you know, the innovation to help reach broader consumer uh, wants and needs. And so what we're finding is, is that shapes and flavors can do that in a way that extend the business and help it grow versus stealing from just traditional candy corn, if you will. How many of the new flavors that I can, you know, that are visible on your website? I saw some, uh, you know, there's the chocolate, of course, and there's a s'mores flavor I saw. There's a football shape, scary shape. How recent are those additions or have some of those kind of been peppered in in the past? few decades. Yeah. So what I would say is, is we have a mix of both. Our core, which consists of traditional candy corn, pumpkins, autumn mix, which you referred to before, and harvest corn, which is what we call the, you know, the chocolate ones now, the orange, chocolate, and white pieces. Um, those have been our core for kind of forever. The one, um, the one flavor that has also been around for us for a really long time is just a caramel flavored candy corn. And then what I would tell you is we have a desire to add to that kind of core with incremental flavors and incremental potential shapes. And so normally when we bring out a new flavor, we're really just trying to bring it out for maybe a couple years, three max, at which point we want to replace it with new flavors and keep, you know, keep it fresh, etc. So in the case of footballs is a, is a good example. That was an item that we just launched last year as an opportunity to try and extend consumption above and beyond Halloween, right? The football seasons 
whether you're talking peewee all the way through to, to pro, extend from basically August all the way into January. Uh, so that one's only been out a year. By comparison, s'mores was an item we did several years ago that did really well, and we decided to, to bring it back for a couple of years because of that. However, the two, probably the two biggest innovation items we had this year for our, our national portfolio uh, are the ones we're most excited about. The first is our Trolley Sour Bright candy corn. And this was a, you know, a great opportunity for us to combine our candy corn expertise with, if you will, the wildly awesomeness of, of Trolley. And what it did was it gave us a couple of different things to really go after. Number one, we took the traditional colors and flavors from our Trolley Sour Bright Crawlers, which are, you know, a fast-growing brand for us uh, overall and in the gummy segment, and we brought them uh, along with the sanding that you find on the worms into a candy corn uh, format. And that format is providing a little bit of different, you know, it's more like a fruity taste. It's got a little bit of sanding, so the texture tastes a little bit different. And it's been a great way to try and attract new consumers uh, and trolley lovers into a segment that they've never played before. And then the other one that um, that we really liked and, and grew with last year, we tested in a smaller uh, number of stores our mini candy corn and chocolate-covered peanuts and decided to bring that out more more nationally and that item's doing really well also and it was based on the consumer insight that a lot of people do mix candy corn um, with other things such as peanuts or chocolate as part of trail mixes if you will you know you kind of touched on this a little bit but the collaboration between the brands that you now have at your disposal to be really creative with. And I know that gets into some of the other seasonal things. You know, you, you bring up a great point. Um, as a marketer and as somebody on the seasonal business who has access to all of our brands, uh, it has been uh, exciting and energizing to kind of get to try and bring and create some of these combinations uh, to really make some of our core items even better and, and hopefully reach more people because we're able to, to reach out to people that might not be eating necessarily uh, in these specific categories. So it's a great way to, to get people into the segments and, and try and bring them along with flavors that some of our other brands might be strong with. Also, in terms of innovation, I wanted to touch a little bit on the natural Brock's candy corn that is now available and hear a little bit from you about how that product came about and the formulation of it and how it's been going in the market so far. Our naturally flavored candy corn is it's probably been out now for this would be its third Halloween, actually. And it evolved from, you know, the insights of this idea of, you know, we want more transparency on, on packaging. We want uh, cleaner, more natural sources of ingredients. And at the time, we were also exploring um, with our Black Forest brand, we, we had a lot of interest in organic. Where we netted out is 
at the time, we felt that a naturally flavored candy corn was more true to the experience of, quote, real candy corn, that, you know, it looks closer to it than, say, an organic piece could. We felt that the size of prize for the opportunity, just from a business standpoint, was more in line with something naturally flavored versus fully organic, which also would have dramatically, you know, potentially change the price value equation of what people think of for candy corn. And so this was a, a great way for us to bring it out. And, you know, we, we've added, I think it's uh, some beta carotene and turmeric, which is really where, you know, some of the flavoring comes in. You know, our R&D team did an amazing job given natural flavors and natural colors to really keep what we feel is the brightness of, of the bag. And we decided to, you know, give it a slightly different look and feel on the package so that people could easily distinguish it from our traditional candy corn. Thanks so much for listening to the Confectionery News Podcast. We interviewed Peter at Easter about Brock's Jelly Beans, another category leader, and learned so much more than just that. So up next, we pick his brain a bit about broader Halloween trends, especially as online shopping plays a bigger and bigger role in retail sales. Listen in. I know that you are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to just the broader seasonal business. So if you could maybe share any things that you're seeing kind of happening with Halloween specifically, as we're talking about the biggest candy holiday here and where things might be going from, you know, an innovation perspective, pack size perspective. First of all, on trick-or-treating, we're definitely seeing a move towards higher prices and bigger bags and bigger counts. Uh, Whereas before, you know, if I said to you that, and this is not accurate, it's just for the purposes of the example, you know, most candy was selling $5.99 to $7.99 for trick-or-treating. I would tell you that that number is higher and probably closer to 10. Go out right now and you will see trick-or-treat bags all the way up to $25 at a number of retailers. And it's not just about the prevalence of them, which I think is growing, like the sheer quantity of of higher-priced, bigger bags, but it's also the fact that I think more volume and money is moving that direction from a consumer spend piece of the puzzle. The other thing that we've seen a little bit more of this year than perhaps the past is we're seeing a number of retailers, especially those retailers that have bigger sets for Halloween, starting to carry some more snack-like items in the Halloween aisle as, if you will, an alternative treat. They're not good for you treats per se. You know, we're seeing more things like chips. We've seen, um, you know, uh, Cheez-Its as an example. We see cookies, uh, which, you know, will be great for us given our our recent acquisition of Keebler. We'll be be thinking about that for, for the future, obviously. That idea of the range of treats I think is is definitely growing. From an innovation standpoint, I still think we're seeing what I would consider to be the traditional model of, of innovation, which is frankly sort of what we were talking about on our candy corn business, which is some of the bigger brands for their segments 
are trying to bring out, you know, unique flavors or unique colors. Uh, as far as innovation goes from our standpoint, you know, we're definitely excited. Uh, I know I've used that word a lot today, but, you know, we've got a lot of change and, and things going on here at Ferrara, but we're, we're really you know, looking forward to partnering with our new partners from from the Keebler business and understanding, you know, if there's opportunity for Keebler and and Ernie, if you will, to to play its role in the seasonal aisle with cookies and in what way. I think you're going to continue to see us stretch to to combine our brands in fun, unique ways, the way we were talking about. And I also think that you'll start to see, like for Halloween next year, as an example, you'll definitely probably start to see us focus on some of the the great items that our everyday businesses are bringing out. You know, the the Trolley Sour Bright Crunchy Crawler, for example, is getting getting ready to launch nationally at the start of the year, and you know, therefore, it's never been available for Halloween. So, you know, we can't wait to get that involved in Halloween and mixes and other things as a, as a great example. I've had a few conversations with other folks in the industry about e-commerce specifically and how that changing landscape is affecting business. How is Ferrara viewing that? We're still, I think, in a great learning stage with our e-commerce business overall. And obviously it has our attention. It's a growing channel. And to your point, more importantly, the consumer dynamics of how people are buying candy are, are changing, you know, every day, if you will. But what I would tell you is, you know, what what I still find really interesting is this idea that the majority of purchasing decisions are influenced by like e-commerce searches. So, you know, there are a lot of people that go onto these websites or Google and they're looking to see what's available and around and they're kind of price comparing and shopping. But for something like Halloween, that just may be their quick study of, oh, this is what I want to go get and I'm going to go get it next time I'm at the store. Don't get me wrong, we have more people buying candy for Halloween on uh you know on e-com and e-com accounts right now or omni-channel approaches, but I still think that we're at, we're at a point in time where, you know, even the retailers uh are getting some benefit from people searching online, even their own sites and then coming in to to find the appropriate choice. Yeah, and I think, you know, the in-person experience of seasonal candy aisles is fun. I agree with you, Christine. I mean, at at the end of the day, right, it's very clear how important seasonal candy is to our customers. You know, if you don't think, you know, it's a priority, uh, then obviously all you have to do is, is what you said, walk into a store and just see how much more space is devoted to seasonal candy, to trick-or-treating. And then when you start to see some of the, you know, the, the bigger and better retailers combining it with the costumes and the decorations and the design and and bringing some of that fun, then yeah, I, I think the overall experience is still great. And it is amazing to just see the wall of candy. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the Confectionary News Podcast. We'll see you next time and happy Halloween.